Well, good morning and welcome to New Hope Church. My name is Mel. My name is Kat, and we're so happy that you're here, regardless of the weather. It was hard, Jack, get up this morning. A little bit, a little yeah, bit. It was, little but bit. look how devoted you guys are to the Lord. You guys are here. This is amazing. Thank you for not making us do this by ourselves. Because if you guys don't show up, we're by ourselves just looking at chairs, yeah? Yeah, not as yeah. much fun. No, it's not. It's okay, not. okay. Well, if you're new and this is your first time, we're just going to run over a couple of things through the glass doors. That's our fellowship hall. That's where we serve our food. So you can purchase breakfast. We have, I think, Spam and Portuguese sausage and eggs. Ooh, Something like that. No, no, no. Spam. I don't know. I'm making up things. It's Spam and sausage. You're mystery breakfast I thought Portuguese morning. sausage, but I'm not sure because, you know, expensive everything is now. Yeah. Yeah, but, you stay um, hungry, yeah? I am. I am. Stay hungry. But I know get scrambled eggs. <laughs> And rice and, and some rice. kind of spam. White or brown. White or brown. White or brown yeah, rice. Yeah, yeah, Because got to keep it healthy. If you order brown rice with your spam, makes it all good. Yeah, so that's our fellowship hall. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> breakfast for purchase, the well, our resource center. We have a prayer room. Yes, If you we need do. prayer, please, please. Yes. Or if you need breakfast, it's in the fellowship hall. But our prayer room is that way. Nursery, children's and youth ministry. Yep, yep. And we got a couple of things going on or coming up. Actually, our anniversary and yes. our centennial. Yes, this year is our 100th year for Foursquare. Foursquare Four Square is our denomination. And it's 100. also, we turn we turn 42 this year. You turn New 42? No, 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 no. Oh, New okay. Hope Church Oh, yeah, okay. New Hope 42. Church. And we're going to be doing something special because we want to celebrate 42 years ago starting New Hope Church Hilo. But also from then till today, all the things that have happened. 42 years. Like, when I think about what I was doing 42 years ago, I was like, really young. Okay, not that young. Yeah, How yeah. You wasn't that young. Some oh, of wait. us not even 35 yet, so... So anyway, our centennial is 100 yeah, 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 years, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yes, Foursquare is 100. I'm not 100 yet, so. <laughs> what side of the coin are you on, though? Okay, anyway, so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, 42. We're celebrating. We're celebrating we're March 5th. That's March, March 5th. 5th. Yeah, yeah, focus. Okay, so March 5th, we're going to be celebrating. We're going to do some extra special things here at the church, and we're going to round it out that Sunday with water baptism. Yes, yes. So if you've recently said yes to Jesus, the next step is getting water baptized. And if you've been water baptized or if your family and friends, please come join us yep. as we yep. celebrate that that monumentous moment in their life. And what oh, a yes. declaration. It's such a good time. Yeah, we have fun. We, we, we have a potluck. Yep. We bring food. You can bring your own bentos. You can just sit because we're going to celebrate that day. Some afterwards. of us set up a volleyball net and play volleyball. and These guys, looking at some right and, now, right there. Yeah, we keep scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we keep scoring. Yeah, they get all competitive and stuff. Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit, a little bit. Remember, we represent bit. the church, yeah, when we done there. You My guys. team won the last time. Okay, all right. So that and then Just saying. speaking of sports. Sports, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Hope Angels. Okay. New Hope Angels. T-ball. Oh, my goodness. T-ball. My, my grandson is four. He just turned four, and he just started playing T-ball. It's so cute to watch four-year-olds try to do jumping jacks. That alone cracks me up. But they're so cute. And the coaches, they're so good with them. So what are the ages for the T-ball team again? It's four to six and seven and eight. And okay. the season started already, but if you – have a child in that age bracket, please. We're welcoming. And they kids. practice right out there on the field. Yes. Yep. yep. So cute. <laughs> Bring chairs because it's all grass. Oh, yeah. I yeah, learned the hard way. I'm standing there dressed like this and black, and the sun was out, and I was like, okay, I was not prepared for this, but I just went straight from work to walk on the field. But it's really cool. So go check it out. You can go see Desi. Desi, yes. Okay. Please okay. go see Desi. And her phone number's on the. 
slide as well. All right. So anything else that you want to catch up on for New Hope Church, please go to our app or our website, and you can get updated. Can we say thank you yeah, to Maya this morning? Thank you, Maya. Speaking of thank yous, so I spent the last couple of weeks totally sick. I went from the flu straight into stomach flu. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. And then we have this storm coming and flood. And I was just like, you know, when you're sometimes when you're sick and you're just lying there and you're so tired of sleeping. Right? You, know, you ever been that sick where you just sleep, sleep till your body's sore already? Because that's how much you've been sleeping and you cannot sleep anymore. And I was just spending a lot of time with the Lord and I was just like listening to the rain. And I was like, you know, I know a lot of people have been praying for rain. You're welcome. Because God said, okay. And then rain came because a lot of people, you know, their catchment tanks had to be filled up. So I was thinking as much as people are like, oh no, there's the rain and now the roads are this way and this way. I was just picturing all the people that are just like joyful. Like, thank you, Lord, we needed the rain. You know, and it really changes your perspective on everything. So as we think about life, sometimes things isn't going the way we plan it to go or we want it to go. But we always got to remain thankful because we don't know what God is doing, you know, somewhere else. If he's preparing us for something else or if he's doing something else or maybe he's just causing us to pause and be still and just spend some time with him. And so when we pray over our tithes and our offerings at this time, we just kind of pause and we be still. And we just thank the Lord for, for everything that he's done for us. So let's pray over our tithes and our offerings. Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you and say thank you, Lord, for being our healer, our way maker, our teacher, and our provider. God, and you protect us. Please continue to protect our island, protect our homes, protect our roads, protect our families, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for always being available to us. Whenever we want to call out to you, we can. We just want to thank you for all that you do provide for us. So as we give unto you, Lord, just take it, bless it, multiply it, use it to reach more of your children that need you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was thinking of this word, neighbor. Because we have good neighbors and we also have like not so good neighbors but the question is are you a good neighbor or are you a not so good neighbor but that word neighbor sometimes we think of it as the person who lives next to us or across the street or someone in close proximity but Jesus gives us a different definition of what that means and today Pastor Marsha Krieger is going to share with us how we can maybe redefine some things or maybe even reassess our own lives and what it means to love our neighbors. So would you welcome with me Pastor Marsha Krieger as she shares with us this morning. Well, good morning. And you know, it has been rainy and I like to be outside, so I've been not pleasant to be around. But I thought we could start the day a little bit different because I don't know if you're like me and the rain has brought you down, so I thought we could start off with playing a game to see what you guys remember. So, since I'm talking about being a good neighbor, I am going to be a good neighbor to you, and I'm not going to sing these songs. I promise. And I will tell you that I am really being a good neighbor. One time, I was cleaning house, I had headphones on, I'm singing away to the worship song, and I get to the living room, and my grandson's out there, and I pop off the headphones, and he says, Grandma, 
I know why you don't sing on stage. So I'm going to be a good neighbor, and I'm not going to sing these to you, but I'm going to stay the words to some jingles that we know, and when I get to the end, I want you to fill in the end and see if you know what they are, okay? So the first one, and I didn't know these words were, I mean, I know one line. I didn't know these were the lines in the songs. You ready? We all hope the good times never leave us behind. We face our tomorrows with some peace of mind. No man has a promise of a life without care. And like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right. Okay, here's another one. So, let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Would you be my neighbor? All right. Okay, this one. This one's fun. Um, so much to do. So much to see. Won't you ride along with me? Ride along. I've got lots of friends for you to meet. In this land of make-believe, a friendly face on every street, just waiting to greet you. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor in... Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. I only know that because I have grandkids. Okay, this one. Last one. It's like you're always stuck in second gear when it hasn't been your day, your month, your week, or even your year. But that's right, friends. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. <laughs> right. So don't those songs, they just kind of bring laughter and memories. They bring a feeling. Just like that word neighbor, just that word stirs up emotions in us. Now, most of us have regular, everyday, hey, how are you, when we see them on the street types of neighbors. Some of us have really, really great neighbors, you know, the kind that genuinely care. And others have those neighbors, you know, those guys. Or you're the really great neighbor, or maybe you're that guy. See, when we moved into our house 10 years ago, we moved into a neighborhood that wasn't quite retirement age, but they were mostly empty nesters, so it was a pretty quiet neighborhood. And then we moved in. Now, we weren't quite empty nesters, and we came with a bunch of grandkids, 10 to be exact, that loved being at our house. So we set up a pool, we set up a basketball rim, the kids kept their bikes and their skateboards at our house, we did movie nights on the lawn, and the kids would love running up and down the street with each other. And I guess you could say that we brought the noise level up just a little bit. And I remember one day, we were talking to our neighbors and we were apologizing for the noise, and a few of them said, oh, no, no, no problem. We enjoy the noise of the kids playing. And I looked at my husband, and I said, I hope they're not being sarcastic, because I don't want to be that neighbor. And I don't think anybody really does. And besides that, I'm a Christian because, you know, and I know that I am called to love my neighbor as myself. Well, Matthew, the tax collector who left his job to follow Jesus, recorded a time when the religious leaders were trying to entangle Jesus in his words. And the religious leaders of Jesus' time um, put a lot of importance on following the law, especially the Ten Commandments as they were given to Moses. So they're trying to trip Jesus up. And so one of them stands up and he says to Jesus, well, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered. And he says to him, well, the first 
And the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we're to love God. Well, that's actually easy. But love my neighbor as myself? Well, what if my neighbor is that neighbor? Or what if my coworker is that person? Or that family member is that family member? And let's not even talk about my boss. See, I'm sure that loving myself means that I need to keep a distance between myself and that person. Or in order to love myself, I may need to act like that person doesn't even exist. Or it might mean praying that that person moves or changes job. <gasps> Whatever it takes, Lord. So there's a limit on loving my neighbor, right? Because I've got to love myself. So to love myself, I have to limit on how I love my neighbor. There's boundaries. Well, Luke, <clears throat> who investigated the life of Jesus and interviewed the people who walked with him, and later wrote about it, documented a moment when a religious leader stood up to test Jesus. See, these guys are always testing Jesus. So he stands up and he says to Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? But then Jesus turns and questions him. And he says, well, what's written in your law? How do you read it? And now this man studied the scriptures and he knew it well. So he'd quickly remember the Shema, which is the prayer that the Jewish people would pray every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So he'd remember that. And because he studied the scriptures, he probably remembered all the laws in Leviticus. And he'd remember that God said, do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Or maybe because he was a religious leader, he was one of those guys that was always following Jesus around and always trying to stir up trouble. And he may have remembered that Jesus said to them earlier. And so he said, well, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus commended him. Good job. Now go out and do it and you will live. See, for Jesus, knowing the law was okay, it was good, but doing it was what was important. And then Luke notes that this man wanted to justify himself. And I thought, he must have had somebody in his life, one of those people. Or maybe he thought, I'm Jewish. I don't love, I can't love the Romans the Samaritans, the tax collectors, the leper. I can't love those people. So to justify himself, he asks, well, who's my neighbor? And at that time, Jesus doesn't answer. Instead, he tells a story. And because Jesus is a master storyteller, the people lean in. And so he begins. A man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and along the way he encounters a gang. 
And these guys are so bad that they beat him, they take everything that they have, that he has, and then they strip him and leave him for dead on the side of the road. And it just so happens that a priest is coming down the road. And I can imagine the people. They've bought into the story. This type of thing is probably pretty common. Or they've encountered those kinds of gangs. Or maybe, maybe they've heard of people that have countered or seen the, the aftermath. But then when Jesus says, a priest is coming by, I can imagine them feeling a sense of relief. Like, oh good, this poor man is going to get some help. Because I mean, like, don't we expect our religious leaders to care for others, especially the needy? But Jesus continued. The priest sees the man, and he crosses over to the other side. Now, I can feel this sense of disappointment. Like, what? Isn't he supposed to help? Isn't he one of God's people, one of his servants? Doesn't he know the law? And before we start to question those guys, aren't we the same way? Because aren't you in the store and you see somebody you're like, Ugh, and you go down the other aisle? Right? So we're just like them. And the priest did exactly that. Leaving that man for dead on the side of the road just like the thieves. But then Jesus continued. But a Levite came by. And again, I can just feel hope rising in the people. Like, all right, because a Levite is someone who works in the temple. He does religious duty. So obviously this guy's going to cross over and help. And then Jesus says, but the Levite, just like the priest, crossed over to the other side. And I can feel that again. They just, the disappointment. Like, is there any hope for this man? Is he just going to lay there and die? And then Jesus says, but a Samaritan. And at this point, they're like, a Samaritan? Oh, God, that's it. Done. Done. There is nobody who's going to help this guy. It's a Samaritan. All hope is gone. Because the Jewish people and the Samaritans didn't get along. And to a Jewish person, a Samaritan was less than a Samaritan was those people. But Jesus says, a Samaritan comes by and he sees the man and he had compassion and went to him and bandaged up his wounds and treated them for the pain and to prevent infection. Then he took the man, placed him on his donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he had to continue on his trip. But he didn't abandon the poor man. Instead, he um, took his own money, he pays the innkeeper and asks him to look after the man, promising to score up for any additional cost when he comes back. And the people are at a loss, like they're processing through their emotions and what Jesus had just said. And they're pondering, like, did he really just make a Samaritan the hero in this story? And they're uncomfortable. And then Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And in one emotion-stirring story, Jesus took the expert of the law 
from the passive question of who is my neighbor to the proactive response of go and be a neighbor. See, Jesus shifted the responsibility for the way we interact with others. As his followers, we can no longer be reactive, responding to others or their actions. Instead, we are to be proactive. And the way we live is determined by something else, something greater than our circumstances or the people around us. Our choices, our words, our actions can no longer be determined by our circumstances or the people that we encounter. Instead, they're determined by who we are. And who we are is we're a child of the Most High King. We're a child of the creator of the universe, the one who breathes his breath and his life into his children. He is the Lord of all lords, the God of of all gods, and we are his child. And that is our identity. And our choices, our actions, our words are determined by our identity in Christ as his child. And according to the Apostle Paul, we're pretty special. In a letter to the Ephesians, he wrote, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So before we ever did anything good or bad, God chose us. He wants to be with us. He picked us. And when he sees us, he doesn't see our failure or the mess we've made. He sees you and me as holy and blameless. Our identity is God's holy, blameless chosen child empowers us to represent God and to bring his mercy to others around us regardless of what their actions are so what does that look like and how do we do it well if you're taking notes the first one is shift my perspective see our perspective or the way we view things shapes our response that means two different people can experience the very same thing and react differently. So we've got all this storm that's going on. Now, I love stormy weather, actually. I love thunder, I love lightning, I love the wind, I love it all. Whenever I hear the first crack of thunder and I see lightning and the rain is pouring, I go home, I light all my candles, I get my chai tea ready, I get into warm clothes, I open all the windows so I can see everything, and I'm like, let's get this party started, let's go. And just about that time, my phone will get buzz, and I'll look at it, and it's Pastor Cat. She goes, I know you're dancing. Stop it. S- same thing, two different reactions because of our perspectives. Well, when the priest and the Levite walked by the man, they didn't see someone who was hurting and needed help. They saw a disruption, a distraction, an interruption to their day and their tasks. And to be honest, they may have been busy. They may have had many responsibilities to cover, and they may have had many expectations to fulfill. But they let their busyness, their responsibilities, and expectations blind them from someone's dignity. However, the Samaritan saw the same man, and he saw someone with dignity and value, and he saw someone in need. 
Now, he must have had responsibilities because the next day he had to leave and he would be passing by that way again. But his business and his plans didn't stop him from noticing and approaching and helping someone in need. Despite his plans, he responded to someone's broken dignity. Now, can we be honest? Aren't we a little like the priest and the Levite? See, don't we allow ourselves to become so busy that we miss the opportunity to help someone or to even acknowledge their value to God? See, while I was writing this message, I had to take a trip to Costco to um, get some supplies for the well. And when you get things for the well, it's like we get those flat orange carts and we fill them. So Nadine and I were going, she's got her orange cart, I've got mine, and we filled it, and it was full, and we still had more to get. So we go to the front of the store, and we find one of the um, workers, and we say, hey, we have to get a third cart, but we can't push three carts, can we leave these here? So they mark them, so that nobody puts it away while we're gone, and then we finish shopping. Then we brought the third cart, and we're standing in line. Then we get to, like, the front of the line, and then the... Um, the cashiers are there. So then we went and we got our two carts. Now, I forgot to tell you, it was really busy that day. So we're in a line, and there's a line behind us. So we get the two carts, and as I'm pushing the third cart, the lady behind me looks, and she goes, is that three carts? And I'm like, yes. And I looked at her cart, and I almost started to say, you can go ahead of me, because she had like 12 items. But then she said something under her breath, and I'm like, all right. You want to be like that? Got my three cards. But God is like really mean. <laughs> and I'm standing there trying to be all huffy puffy like, okay. But God's telling me, let her go. And I'm like, nope. She was grumbling. <laughs> she doesn't deserve to go. Got my three cards. It's all right. Like it's Costco. What does she expect? Nobody shops for one item at Costco. I mean, you know. But God keeps like, you know, and I'm like... <sighs> So finally, we're at the point, we're going to go to the cashier, and I turn to Nadine, and like God is just drilling me. So I'm like, we got to let her go. So Nadine is like, oh, yeah, she's all happy. She goes and gets the lady's cart. She pushes her forward. She goes, hey, go ahead and go. And the lady just kind of looks, and she goes, and she, and I'm like, grab my phone. I was going to text to Nadine. She didn't even say thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sending her in the text, and I feel like, don't do it. <sighs> really? Put it in my pocket. Like, God, I don't want to work on this message. This is a dumb message. <laughs> so she's, the lady gets her stuff done. Only 12 items, right? Then she turns and she says, Thank you. I had a doctor's appointment I was worried about missing. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Man, you know, because of my perception, she might not have mumbled under her breath. She might have been like, am I going to make the point? I don't know. But because of my perception, because I saw myself as busy, because I had a time constraint, because I didn't want to be disrespected, I didn't value that woman. See, I'm no different than the priest or the Levite. I get busy. I get tired. I get focused on the task. And when we do, just like me, I missed that woman's dignity. I missed her value to God as his creation. And because I thought she grumbled, I allowed my perspective to shift. 
I forgot I was a child of God. I forgot that I'm to bring his mercy. I forgot I'm to bring his light and his hope. And I thought that her grumbling absolved me of treating her with honor or value. And I responded to her in light of her actions instead of who I am. See, I'm a child of God. I'm called to bring his light, his love, and his mercy. And I almost missed an opportunity. See, we extend God's love, his light, and his mercy by shifting our perspective off of our day, off of our routines, off of our expectations, onto who we are as a child of the living God. We live out our identity in Christ by bringing his grace into every situation. The Apostle Paul encouraged the church in Ephesus to follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, everything that we do is a response to who we are in Christ, to being like him. We walk in the way of love just as Jesus loved us. Now, when I read the New Testament, I see how busy Jesus was. I see how the people pressed in on him, and they wanted his time, and they wanted his attention. And yet he was present with people. He consistently extended grace. And that's something we can learn from him, something that we need to live out. And that's our second point. Be in the moment. See, in the parable, the priest and the Levite were focused on later, where they were going and what they were doing. Later had more value to them than the man lying there in the street. Because of later, they crossed over to the other side. But the Samaritan... He saw the man and he shifted his priorities from what he was doing and where he was going to the need that was in front of him. Now that sounds so uncomfortable to me. After all, we have jobs, we have families to raise, we have responsibilities to meet. And when I was working on this message and I got to that part, I wanted to change this. I wanted to start over or bring a whole different message because I couldn't get around it. And I really felt like you just need to stay the course. You need to keep that point. So I sat there and I pondered this for a while, like a long while, like several days a while. And I read and I reread the parable. And then as I read, I learned something from the Samaritan. See, though he paused what he was doing to help the man, he still honored his plans and his commitment. He got the man off the street, out of the situation he was in, and when he had needed to keep his commitment, he included the innkeeper in helping to take care of him. See, Jesus said the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense that you have. And the next day, he left to continue with his plans. But before he left, he involved someone else. And sometimes I need to recognize that the moment that I'm in, that I need to respond in grace. But I need to recognize that I may not be the solution. In fact, I probably am not. 
because although we're called to extend God's mercy, we are not the entire solution to the problem. He has gifted every single one of us with gifts. So the problem, the solution to the problem, is all of us working together. And sometimes we're simply just part of the process. Jesus' disciple Peter wrote in a letter to the believers who were scattered abroad in 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. See, all of us need to use our gifts to serve others as agents of God's grace. And I can guarantee this. In this world that we live in, we constantly need we will constantly encounter opportunities to extend God's grace. And as his child, chosen and loved before time, we are gifted and equipped to do so. And we're called to step into the mess and bring his redemption and grace. I want to close with this observation. We're called to bring God's redemption and grace. We're called to step into the mess. But when the religious leader asked Jesus what he needed to do to inherit eternal life, Jesus asked about the law. And he said, how do you interpret the law? And then Jesus turned the story, told a story and turned it off of the law into our action. Because where Jesus is concerned, I can know the Bible, I can know the law, but if I don't do it, then I'm like the priest and I'm like the Levite. In Jesus' story, it was someone who, just like everyone else, had something to do that paused and waded into the mess. And you and I can know the law. We can know the right things to do. But we need to do something with what we know. And that's all that Jesus wanted that religious leader to understand. And that's what we need to understand. See, the power to love and bring God's mercy comes from our identity as his child. And as Jesus' disciple Peter said, we're equipped to be faithful stewards of God's grace. So let God pour his grace into you. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. And then go out and extend his grace to those around you. Allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to bring God's mercy and his grace and his love and his healing to the world right outside these doors. Let's go out and be a neighbor. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Abba Father, thank you. Thank you for challenging us and moving us and calling us to remember that you are our Father. And because you're our Father, you pour your love into us. And though we want to be loved, we want to be held by you, we want to be close to you, you say, take that love that you give us and go out into the world, make disciples, be neighbors, be hope, be light, and bring your truth. So Lord God, I pray that that's what happens today. That we would leave here pressing into you identifying with you, empowered by you to go and be your neighbor even to those that we don't love. We love you, Lord. 
And we thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll go outside, be a neighbor, and we'll see you Wednesday, 5.15 if you want dinner, Sunday at 7, 8.30, and 10. Bye.